welcome to Food is Culture, a podcast. I'm your host, Billy Buttery. Hi, mangiato bene translates to, did you eat well? It's such a wonderful phrase Italians use to greet each other. Let's make it a thing here. Italian food has a very special place in my heart. I spent many Sundays being invited to an Italian table to eat. And not only to eat, but the privilege of being welcomed into the kitchen while the cook worked. As today's guest will tell us, in the Italian culture, it is common for men to cook. And in the Italian house I learned the most from, it was the patriarch who was the cook. The way he turned a few ingredients into the most delicious, soul-nourishing meals amazed me. That time will always have a special place in my heart, as well as Italian food. Today's guest, Michelle Padula, is the epitome of Italian grace, and knowing her is to understand la dolce vita. Michelle was born and raised in Canada in an Italian household, but had a longing to stay in Italy longer than just her usual vacations. She now lives amongst the olive and citrus trees in southern Italy. I hope you'll enjoy my chat with Michelle, and if you've never visited Italy, please add it to your list. But I may be biased. I love Italy so much, I named my firstborn Rome. Salute! Michelle, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Michelle, tell the listeners where you are right now. So right now I'm in Italy, in southern Italy, in Calabria, in my father's hometown. Amazing. And it's evening there? Yes, it's about six o'clock here. So hopefully I don't butcher this too much, but um, hi, mangiato bene? <laughs> si, molto bene, grazie. <laughs> good. Good, good. Usually I like to have a little glass of wine while I'm recording the podcast, because usually I do it at night. But since it's during the day, I'm having a little lim- limonata. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, so can you tell us what you consider as your cultural background? So my cultural background is Italian. Both my parents are from Southern Italy. They were born and raised there and they moved to Canada in the mid seventies. So I was raised uh, in Canada, but very Italian with Italian being spoken in the house and eating Italian food. So yeah, I'm Italian Canadian, but I consider myself more Italian. Do you think in Italian? No, I think in English. (laughs) And then I English is my first language, so I still feel more comfortable speaking English, but um, culturally, I feel Italian. Amazing. And how long have you been in Italy now for? So now I've been here three years. Amazing. And always in Calabria? Yes, always in Calabria, in the south, traveling around, but I was pretty much based here. Before here, I lived in London for two years. But then I decided, for me, London was a little bit similar, like Toronto. And what I wanted to do was just have a different type of lifestyle, something more simple. So that's why I decided to come here. Oh, that's so beautiful. Did you go to Italy often as a child? I did. So because my parents are both from Italy, they're both born and raised there, and they moved when they were in their probably early to mid-20s to Canada, they would always come back and they'd bring us when I was little with my brothers. So we'd come here for summer holidays. Um, I would spend summers with my grandparents. I would spend entire summers here. And so I think that's really what, I guess, what made me love Italy so much. It was just being around with my family, the big, you know, lunches and dinners, all my relatives, all my cousins. Um, I just fell in love with the lifestyle and the food. So that's one of the big reasons why I moved here. And when you were in Toronto, would you, I mean, like, let's say it's an October day, chilly October day in Toronto, you're in school and you're saying, okay, I wish I was in Italy right now. And I wish I was eating. What were you wish you were eating? Oh my gosh, everything just... (laughs) 
the, the delicious pasta, the nice the pastries, the gelato, all of it, and, and especially the sunshine, sitting outside under the sun. Of course. In Toronto, did you eat mostly Italian food? I did. With my family, we always ate Italian food. Um, although, you know, to be honest, what I loved about Toronto was that there are so many different types of food that you can get there. There's so much, you can get anything you want. There's people that move there from all over the world. So there's amazing Chinese restaurants, Indian restaurants, Italian, Portuguese. There's so much great food. And that's actually something that you don't get when you move to, well, a European country if you're living in a smaller town. Because here in Italy, what I find is... So I'm in Southern Italy. So basically the food that I get here is all Southern Italian, but not just Southern Italian. It's, it's literally the food of this place. So it's all food from Calabria. So we can't, I can't even find Northern Italian food here. So basically I just learned to eat what was in season, eat what's here on the menu. So if you go to a restaurant here now, everybody pretty much has the same food. It's what's seasonal. So you can't try and you can't get anything else in October now at a restaurant. It's very seasonal. Um, it's very different from the north of Italy. Whereas if you go somewhere in the north of Italy, you'll get what's in season there um, according to their, their menus. So that's one of the things that I also miss about Toronto is all the different restaurants, all the different types of food, all the different cultural backgrounds, which is something that we don't have here. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. You know, we sort of um, love restaurants here that are farm to table and farm fresh, but in it's what it is in Italy. There's no options. No, there's no other option. (laughs) You're not having shrimp flown in from, you know, the Pacific. (laughs) No, no, it's, just, it's what, it's what they have. It's what they find. It's, um, it's what's what they harvest, you know, during the different seasons. It's, it's what they've preserved during the winter months that they have to offer, you know, mm-hmm. during, during the spring. So it's, it's all, yeah, it's, um, it's a big, um, big change to be honest, but I, um, I've never felt healthier to like, I've never felt healthier. I never felt better. I never had more energy since eating this way. That's amazing. Um, what was your first sort of childhood memory around food in Toronto or in Italy? No, it was in Canada. Um, I remember just being little, you know, sitting around a really big long table, family and all my relatives and my cousins and just eating lots and lots and lots of Italian food where the, the, table would just be full of all different types of pasta and like a bowl full of meatballs and all just different types of food and everybody laughing and having a good time. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Was your mom the cook growing up? Um, so my dad is a chef. So oh, my amazing. Dad, yeah, my mom and my dad both cooked and my father had Italian restaurants. So I would see my dad cook in this restaurant and then at home my mother would cook. So I was exposed to Italian food at a really young age. I was pretty much raised in, in an Italian restaurant. <laughs> um, so both, both, both my parents cooked. That's amazing. And then in Italy, um, your grandmother would cook. Your grandmother, my grandfather. Yes, my grandmother would cook. And sometimes my grandfather as well. Because a lot of um, a lot of Italian men know how to cook. Mm-hmm. They do. It's part of the culture here as well. I love that. Just sharing the duties in the kitchen and, you know, passing on to the next generation. Yeah. Um, what would you consider as your celebration food? Like your number one, if you think, okay, we're going to have an Italian party Italian feast what would be the celebration food 
okay, well, there's always pasta, some type of pasta or lasagna, but that's kind of daily food as well. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a food. I would think Prosecco is Italy's celebration drink. I think, I think it's, and, and the tradition in Italy is actually, it, it does signify celebration. So even on when it's someone's birthday, how they celebrate in Italy is at midnight, the, like right when you turn, how can I explain it? So, so they celebrate, I guess, the night before the birthday because they celebrate at midnight on your birth date. So at midnight, they'll just pop open a bottle of Prosecco and they'll usually eat pastries. And that's, that's a tradition. And whenever anyone celebrates anything, they use Prosecco to celebrate with. So that would be celebratory. And it's usually accompanied by pastries or some kind of dessert. I love Italian pastries. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Is there a special cheers? Is there a way, an Italian way to say cheers? Mm, salute. Salute. Mm -hmm. I love that. So walk me through a typical, well, I guess it's not really typical, but at this time of year, so in the fall, what would be your typical daily food in Italy? Like, how would you start your day? Okay. So for breakfast, I would have a coffee, which is a little espresso. And if I'm going to like a coffee bar, I'd probably get a cornetto, which is a croissant. And they usually fill it with either a cream or like Nutella or like some kind of jam um because that's the breakfast of italy it's, it's a sweet breakfast italians usually just eat um like have a coffee or a cappuccino and then they have a, this croissant or some type of biscuits sometimes i just have coffee though to be honest <laughs> but i'll skip out on the the cornetto and then for lunch um I mean, I'm in Southern Italy, so I'm, I'm going to speak of Southern Italy because the North is a little bit different. But in Southern Italy, they still have um, really long lunch breaks where businesses and everything closes between like one and four. And so people will close up their shops or they'll close up their offices, like everything closes, even doctor's office, lawyer's offices. And they go home and they have a really big lunch. So here people have really big lunches and they have a light supper. So today I made... Um, I made a, a pumpkin pasta. Hmm. Really good. It was really delicious from a pumpkin I bought at the market the other day. Um, and it was just like sauteed. And I, I, had, I, it was really simple, actually. I can share the recipe with you after because I was going to upload it on my website. But um, it was really simple, very delicious. And usually, so usually pasta is, sorry, usually lunch would be a pasta and then some type of side dish. Mm-hmm. And then... And then a lot of people take naps, to be honest. <laughs> with all that pasta. Yeah, and with all that pasta. A nice glass of wine. Yeah, and then they go back to work around 4, 4.30. And then they work late till about 8. Even, even office workers will work pretty late. And then they go home and they have a light dinner. So dinner might be, like in the fall, it might be a soup um, with some bread or some tomatoes and cheese. But really, I think there's kind of like a stereotype of what Italians eat and to be honest, they do eat abundantly, but they eat abundantly, not at night. They eat more abundantly during the day. I've even been like in Milan and, you know, been out walking around during the day and I'll see all the office workers. They go out on their lunch breaks all together and they'll have like pasta and wine and everything. And they just go back to the office, but they're having a bigger lunch than dinner. I, I think um, having a big dinner isn't, isn't a thing that happens here. Well, especially if you work late, having a nice big lunch, carry you through the day, and then you're not sleeping with all that food on your gut. Yeah. And I love that. It's healthier, I think. 
For sure. And then especially, you know, for people that maybe don't live with their family, being able to celebrate at least one meal a day with their coworkers or friends is just such a great way to live. Yeah. It's different, right? It's just, it's very different than, um, than what I remember in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whereas we kind of speed through lunch, often skipping it and then have just huge dinners. Mm-hmm. So true. So it's just a different way to live and eat, I guess. And mm-hmm. I know it's not everybody can do it. Not everyone can have a, a big lunch during, during the day, but I mean, you can pack yourself a really nice lunch and bring it to work and have it there and then you know, go home and have a lighter dinner. I love that. Um, to, to dive in a little bit more about the food. So I guess these would be more seasonal, um, but would you say that the typical carb, when you think of carb in Italy, would that be pasta? Oh yes. Pasta. For sure. <laughs> and then a preserved meat would be salami or prosciutto. Yeah. Salami or prosciutto, both of them. Would you say that there is, um, traditional stew or mm, it would be probably minestrone soup which oh, would be my favorite my absolute yeah, favorite hearty and you can kind of make it however you like with potatoes or with um you know onions and tomatoes and pasta of your choice yeah something nice and hearty like that I love that. And so for dessert, which is typically, you know, dessert, you also have your breakfast, your nice pastries with your espresso. Mm, Yes. And remind me what that, um, I love being in Italy and I love having the fresh squeezed juice in the morning. Uh, what is that called? Um, it's called spremuta. So spremuta means fresh, freshly squeezed juice. Yeah. It's really good. Here I've actually seen a lot of um, pomegranates for Muta because the pomegranates are in season. Oh, that sounds lovely. That's yeah, really, really yummy. Um, and then what would you say is a typical sort of like on the go, you know, you're bustling through the market. What sort of snack would you, would you grab? Mm, snack. Hang on. I need to think for a moment. Um, I need a snack. Okay. So, so I don't really, I guess... I kind of snack maybe if I'm at home, but if I'm running around, I, I guess if I need something, I don't know, I snack on almonds, I guess, or maybe a piece of fruit. But if I was very hungry, um, if I was running through the market and it was like close to lunchtime and I might have an arancini ball, mm. what an arancini is, is it's, um, it's, it's like a, a rice ball, basically. And inside there might be different cheeses or sometimes there's a ragu and it's, it's like shaped into like, like a baseball shape or sometimes like a cone. And then it's deep fried in oil and the outside is really crispy, but the inside has all like the, the arborio rice and then whatever filling is in the middle. So that would be considered, I guess, like a, an Italian street food, something like that, that you can just get on the go and snack on. So yummy. I love yeah, it. Really yummy. Really, really yummy. <laughs> Um, so to kind of talk about your childhood a little bit in Canada, um, what would be your typical lunch that you would bring to school? Okay. So I ha- I was embarrassed when I was young <laughs> because my friends were Canadian and they had like normal sandwiches or like, you know, with like craft, like what is that called? Craft singles cheese on like white sliced bread. And my, my mother would pack me like, you know, Italian bread, like that really like 
fluffy, crusty Italian bread with like mortadella in the middle or like some kind of salami that would, you know, smell different than everybody else's lunch. So I was actually embarrassed to eat my lunches when I was young at school because my food was different, mm-hmm. to be honest. But and, that's what I would have. <laughs> and where did you grow up in Canada? Um, so I was born in, in Thunder Bay and I lived there until I was two. So in Northern Ontario, sorry, not two. I lived there until I was 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then my family moved to Ontario, to Brampton. So in Thunder Bay, I'm sure there wasn't, you know, I was sort of picturing Toronto in my mind, but in Thunder Bay, it's not like you lived in Little Italy. (laughs) No, but there were Italians actually, there was an Italian community there at the time, but not, um, not so much, to be honest. It was it was very, very Canadian. So, yeah, no, me going to... And my father had, I think, probably the only Italian restaurant there. That was his first restaurant that he opened when he moved from Italy to Canada. Mm-hmm. So, That's so cool. <laughs> your, your, his restaurant was Little Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I love that. What was your favorite dish at your dad's uh, restaurant? When I was young, I just, I liked spaghetti with meatballs when I was little. My son could eat spaghetti and meatballs every single day. We actually had it last night for dinner. (laughs) What is it about spaghetti and meatballs that little kids just love? Yeah, little kids love it. It's true. Um, Yeah. In the south of Italy, is pizza as prevalent as it is, let's say, in Rome? Oh, yes, it is, actually. It's, It's considered a staple. So... Pizza is something that people here probably don't really make at home. They wouldn't be able to make it in the same way, like in a wood-burning oven, really nice. So when people go to eat, they go out a lot for pizza. So pasta is usually something they eat at home and they have it for lunch. And if they go out for dinner, they'll have a pizza. It's very typical to get everybody gets their own, like... Um, round pizza. And I remember when I used to come here on holiday, I couldn't eat a whole one by myself, you know, like the mm-hmm. size of a plate. <laughs> <laughs> I would share it with someone. Everyone's like, just eat a whole pizza. I'm like, I can't. I don't know. I wasn't used to it, I guess. Now I can easily eat a whole pizza by myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And that's like, like a, what we would consider like a, a plate size though. Yeah. Plate size, like a large plate. Oh, delicious. Um, what would would you say is your most important ho- holiday in Italian culture or in Italy? Most important holiday? Well, Italy, what I like is the, the town festivals. So each town in Italy has their own, um, usually has their own festival and it's various times of the year. But when there is a town festival, it's really fun because they all set up like food stalls and like um, rides for kids and a whole bunch of festivities and there's entertainment, but each town has it like on a different date. So you can kind of just go festival hopping from town to town to town. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like it because they all have like their stalls up and they, it's kind of like a big market at night. It's really fun. Um, but now because of COVID, they actually canceled all of them this year. Oh. So I haven't gone to a festival in a while, but those are fun. And is it, does it signify something special in the town or it's just sort of, you know, they do, they're all different. It could be maybe a saint, uh, a saint day, like a patron, patron saint from the town or a specific date to commemorate something. So it depends, but Italy is actually full of different festivals everywhere. Every town will have its own festival. Also a lot of towns, if they, um, kind of are known for a certain thing, like, there's a town that's known for um, mushrooms they'll have a mushroom festival if there's a town that's known for like a certain pizza they'll have that festival and then they celebrate their food as well 
I love that. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Speaking of saints, would you say that Italy is predominantly Catholic? Oh, it is. Yes. I mean, with the Vatican, you have to be, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely very, very, very Catholic, very religious. And I think the more south you go, the more religious it is. Well, I just love, I mean, that's the thing that I think I love most about Italy is all of the beautiful churches. And regardless of religion, they're just such beautiful works of art, truly. Oh, especially in Rome, all the ancient ruins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you love Rome. <laughs> of course, with my son. <laughs> I know, it's your son's It's my favorite place in Italy, too, actually. Yeah, it's um, it's just so, to me, it's so magical. You know, sometimes you get to a place and you say, okay, this is this is where my body feels at home, where my soul feels at home. And that's definitely Rome for me. Oh, I feel the same, actually. I love Rome. My plan was actually to move to Rome if um, before COVID, because I do, I love the countryside, but at the same time, I, I kind of need a city sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, I wanted to be based more in Rome and then still come here because my family has a house here anyway, so I can still come here anytime. But I don't know, there is something magical about Rome. There truly is. You can, it's almost if you, you know, sort of blur your eyes, you can feel the the Romans walking around and in their togas. Oh, you can. I know. So beautiful. So magical. For sure. And I mean, my favorite street snack in in Rome after a long day of walking is definitely a slice of pizza and a beer. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Do you have a recipe to share with the listeners? Okay, so something I I made recently that I love is a rosemary infused olive oil. And I think it's something that's really easy that anybody can make and you can save so much money because if you were to buy it in the store, it's very expensive usually, but it's something that you can easily make at home. And all you need is dried rosemary and olive oil of your choice, preferably like a nice extra virgin olive oil. And all you do is you need to put your dried um, rosemary, crush it a bit, put it in a jar. You can use a mason jar and fill it up about maybe less than half of the way through Mm -hmm. and then pour your olive oil on top, covering all of it, but leaving an inch of space at the top. And that's it really. So you can close, seal up your bottle. Um, Actually, before you close it, put a piece of like um, wax paper. So cut out a square of wax paper, put it on top, close the lid and then leave it. And all you need to do is um, put it in like a dark, covered and um, leave it for about four four weeks is fine if you want it a little bit more stronger you can leave it for an extra two weeks every few days you just need to go kind of shake the bottle a bit just make sure all the rosemary is covered by the by the oil and then in like four weeks take it out you strain it with like a funnel and a strainer or you can buy actually um, a funnel that has a strainer built into it, pour it into another bottle. Like if you buy a nice um, glass olive oil bottle and there you go. And then you have it, you have your rosemary infused olive oil and it will cost you probably a fraction of the price if you're buying it in the store. And it's also a nice gift. I think you can put like a nice ribbon on it and give it to your friends that like to cook. Totally. And with, you know, the holidays coming up, I think that's such a great, such a great gift. Yeah. So it's, it's not really a recipe, I guess. It's just, I think it's, um, an Italian staple for sure. Yeah, an Italian staple that a lot of Italians make themselves. Um, and it's super, super easy. You just need to have the patience to wait. 
<laughs> for a week. You can wait a month for it. But trust me, like it's so good after you can put it on, you can dip bread in it. You can put on your roasted veggies or your boiled potatoes. You can add it to your roasted chicken. It's like, it'll be so, so yummy. So worth the wait. Mm, my goodness. Well, my, one of my son's favorite things to do is to make homemade uh, tortillas, but they're kind of like pitas. Um, and I think that even just drizzled on top of that would be just divine. Uh, delicious, delicious. And the key is just to make sure to use um, dried herbs okay. because you don't want any moisture getting into it. Good tip. Yes, of course. You don't want any, what's it called? Botulism, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want any of that. <laughs> exactly. That's a scary word. You always have to be careful. So especially when you make things at home, you have to be extra careful. So For just sure. make sure it's dried herbs. Don't let any water get into your jar or any olive oil. And then it's fine. Have little- you made, um, in your throughout your life at some point have you made homemade tomato sauce oh I have yes I have and I have here as well actually at um at a farm at um an activity small I was helping them make their their tomato sauce that's always fascinated me so much yeah and I know a lot of um the Italian restaurants in Toronto do it as well and I, I do believe that that's the only way that you can have the taste of like a fresh tomato in your pasta dish in the middle of winter is if you're, if you're using your own um, canned tomato sauce. Otherwise I don't think it'll be as good because what they're doing is they're taking the freshness of the summer tomatoes mm-hmm. and they're, they're, you know, keeping them safe <laughs> until the winter months. So then you can eat them and you'll still have the taste of the summer tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And it truly is like having going over to a friend's uh, Italian friend's house in the winter and having fresh uh, sugo semplice is just a dream. So good. Mm. Yum. Okay. So I want to ch- dive into your ebook. So I love it. And um, do you want to explain a little bit more about it or your inspiration for it? So after moving to Italy and kind of experiencing living through the seasons and only being able to eat seasonal food, I wanted to share that is what I wanted to do because coming from, I actually, I, I didn't even know the difference because living always in Toronto and eating pretty much anything I could eat any time of the year and not in any, like basically you can have any food you want, which is a great thing. But at the same time, it's kind of a bad thing because then you don't really experience this, like living with the seasons and eating what's seasonal and at, during each time of the year, because it's a whole different way to live actually, because we are actually meant to eat what is in season, depending on where we live. So if I'm in Canada right now, I should be eating like root vegetables and apples and that kind of thing. And if you're in Italy, you can have like pomegranates and uh, eggplant and also pumpkins and other things, but you need to really eat to stay healthy. You need to eat what's in season where you live because you're getting the nutrients from from the climate, from the minerals and the earth and all that. So it's kind of, it's very simple if you think about it. And it's the way our ancestors have always lived, but we are so disconnected to it. So just experiencing it and then feeling so amazing after doing it for so long, I was like, there's something to this. And it's, it's for a long time, I was like, I'm not going to share this because it's kind of like too simple. Like maybe everybody knows this. I just didn't really ever realize the difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to, especially for people that are in big cities, I guess, to explain it, I guess, because it was the way, I don't know, to, like, I don't know, does that, does that make sense? For sure, to, to explain. <laughs> I'm like rambling on. No, I love it. I'm to explain, you know, how a simpler way to eat. And it just, it totally makes sense because when you're eating things that are in season, they're at their peak ripeness. So they're, they're most delicious. They've 
are peak antioxidant level peaks, you know, they've had the most amount of sun that they need to thrive or minerals in the ground that they've needed to thrive. And, and I mean, it's, it's simple, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, exactly. And when you're living in a, a city or you go to the supermarket and you're just buying, you know, pineapple in the middle of winter, like, yeah, I get a pineapple in the middle of winter. It's, you feel spoiled. It's a beautiful luxury. But at the same time, you don't really need, your body doesn't need to be eating a pineapple in the middle of winter. And the amount that it had to travel to get to you and into that supermarket, it's lost almost all of its nutritional value. So it doesn't even really do your body any, anything good. So I just, I wrote this kind of to also explain what I learned about, you know, specifically with Italian food, because Italian food is very, very simple. Um, I used to be intimidated to share recipes online or like share things. Cause I was like, you know, what I share is really simple. It's like too simple. And then you have like chefs or like, you know, other, you know, food bloggers sharing these really like extravagant recipes with like lots of different ingredients, but I never really liked to cook that way. And I never liked to eat that way because I just wanted to make something that's pretty quick, use least amount of ingredients, you know, possible to make my food taste good. And then there you go. And then there's your meal in like half an hour or less. And that's most Italian food, to be honest, because Italians, they don't use many ingredients. So probably use an olive oil and like a garlic or onion as the base of everything. Mm -hmm. And they'll add a spice, whether that's like an oregano or rosemary or, you know, could be anything, but that's it. That's really, those are the basis of Italian cooking, olive oil, some kind of, you know, onion or garlic, and then whatever spice that goes with whatever um, food you have, whether it's meat or produce. And then that's it. So now I'm feeling, I guess, like, I want to share more because I think a lot of people, they would love to eat and cook this way. And it's so easy. And it's just about simple food. It's about taking what's in season and not masking it with too much, you know, salt or too much spice. Because if you're eating seasonal, then you're really tasting the actual vegetable or the actual food that you're eating. You don't need to have a celebration of that, of that item. Yeah. And I think with a lot of processed food, for example, they're adding way too much sugar and way too much salt because it's not real food. So they have to put stuff in it to make it taste like something. And I find that people's taste buds are actually changing. So my dad is here visiting from Canada and he started cooking some food too. And he was making it really salty. I was like, dad, it's so salty. Why do you make the food so salty or like too spicy? And he's like, no, I don't even taste anything because his taste buds have changed. And that's like a perfect example. Whereas I don't put too much salt or anything in my food anymore because I don't need to, because I really enjoy the flavor of the produce, whatever it is I'm cooking. So I I think everyone needs to kind of retrain their taste buds and just, I guess, use less, less, um, less sauces and less like salt. Mm -hmm. Well, for sure. And I think, you know, especially the convenience factor of eating processed foods or canned foods or pre-made foods or restaurant foods, um, not good restaurants, but you know, like (laughs) maybe a little lower end restaurants where they're not using the best produce available or the most organic Mm -hmm. produce available. Um, I know when I've done a cleanse and my husband and I did, um, a very like back to basic, you know, cleanse of, and it was about month and a half. And I remember the first piece of fruit I had after the cleanse. And I was like, oh my goodness, is this what plums taste like? I forgot what plums taste like (laughs) because the subtleties of it, when you are 
have a tongue that's, you know, over salted, over sugared, over processed, um, you know, you lose those intricacies of food. So true. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a good example. If anyone actually does a cleanse or a detox and they strip away all the bad foods, when they go back to introducing the good foods, they will really enjoy their food again. They will really taste each flavor. And it's, it's actually a nice, um, a nice way to, to do it. To relearn about food for sure. Well, that's one thing I love about um, bruschetta in Italy. Well, besides it being instead of this little tiny, you know, slice of French stick, it's this big piece of bread with chunks of just the most gorgeous tomatoes, olive oil, and fresh basil. And it's just the most delicious thing that you could eat. <laughs> and it's so simple. It's so delicious. Okay. Well, I'm so people can find you on your website. Would you like to share that? Oh yes. Yeah. So my website is harvestandwellness.com and my Instagram, um, you can find me at, at enchanting Italy. And just the most swoon worthy, gorgeous pictures of food and oceanside and seaside and Italian life for sure. Yes. Okay. So I want to wrap it up with a little bit of fun. <laughs> um, can you describe your personality through a food? My personality through a food. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Try, I'm trying to think of like a dish or something. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. If it doesn't come to you, we can, we can go on to the next rapid I fire. Question. We'll come back to that one. Okay. We'll go to the rapid fire question. So are you ready? Okay. Okay. Water or land? Land. Sand or grass? Grass. Apple or orange? Orange. Pineapple or coconut? Pineapple. I love both, but okay, pineapple came first. <laughs> uh, Coke or Pepsi? Neither. <laughs> and maybe Brio? Yeah, I like Kinoto. Okay, fine, Kinoto. <laughs> uh, sun or moon? Moon. Amazing. Well, you have a moon tattoo, right? I do. I love it. Okay. Do you want to answer the food question or do you want to, do you want to think no, about it? And everybody write it? Answer the food question? Pardon? Does everyone answer it? Um, everyone has, it has stumped most people though. So one of one guest actually asked if she could re-record it. My stump. Okay. A food, a food, a food. And then explain why. Okay. Hang on. Well, I think for me, because I'm just really into eating natural seasonal food, so which might be like plain and simple and boring to some people. So I'm probably just like a tomato or something, like a tomato salad, just really simple and plain. And I think that kind of signifies my new eating style. Well, and I also think of a beautifully crafted tomato salad is so simple and elegant. And that's truly how I think of you. Just elegant and graceful and light and, and wonderful. Sprinkle of uh, oregano and toxic spice. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us and for, you know, telling us a little bit about your childhood and your journeys in Italy. And it's just so wonderful. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. Isn't Michelle just the sweetest? I had so much fun talking about Italian food with her and I hope you enjoyed it. She's agreed to come back for a snack-sized episode on how Italians celebrate New Year's Eve. I'm so excited for that. A couple recipes were mentioned in today's show and I did want to mention that you can find them in the show notes for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you'll try an Italian dish. Ciao!